0: Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and wanna up your game, then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Happiness is not the mere possession of money. It lies in the joy of achievement in the thrill of creative effort. And that's a quote by Franklin D. Roosevelt. And I want to thank you again for joining me and my guest on The Profitable Photographer. And I also am always so grateful when you let other people know about this show. I have an announcement that I am going to be doing some special promotions on my Profitable Photographer Sales Academy online course. So if you're interested in learning more about that, you can just send me an email. You can message me on Facebook. You can skywrite and say, hey, tell me more about that. And um, it is a 12-week course that has all of my step-by-step teachings on how to have those sales that result in three to five, seven, nine wall portraits and books and Lots of money in your bank account, which is what we'll be talking about today, is, is the money aspect of this business. So let me tell you about our guest, Lindsay Benz. Lindsay and her husband, Jonathan, launched Jonathan Betts Photography in 2006. They specialize in portraiture. She is a PPA photographic craftsman and also in the business, the chief implementer, of the Client Experience and Studio Management. And she also teaches on a national level, as well as in her local affiliates. And regionally, she's on the PPA Council, the National EDU Committee, and she's also, along with Jonathan, very active in their local affiliate leadership. And if y'all don't know what that is, I highly recommend that you find out because I'm sure Lindsay will agree that it is such a foundation for our sustained success in this industry. So Lindsay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on my show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Just my delight. So I know that you are the expert on money and financial wisdom kind of oozes out of your pores, uh, first off, how did you get to be so skilled and wise about this and actually passionate about it?
1: You know, that's a great question to kick things off. I think definitely uh, as not the creative side of our photography business. I do have some natural inclinations for that implementation and for the numbers and a lot of the organizational and just detail oriented pieces that are a part of a business. Um, Mm -hmm. I definitely can remember uh, being really young when my parents um, started off, you know, myself and my siblings on an allowance and with that just very tangible Um, picture of you're going to spend some, you're going to save some, and you're going to give some. And those three categories are really the foundations to any personal budget. And there are strong connections, of course, when you relate uh, that to your business. Um, But then I can remember my dad helping me open my first checking account when I was 12. And that was really exciting. And I'm, I'm definitely one of those like to the penny people. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so I do, I do love, I think what I have fallen in love with the numbers over is that so much of what we need to fuel and to make our dreams happen will require finances. And when we can set firm goals, and we know what we're headed toward, it's really fun to then be able to allocate and to watch what you need grow and then to know exactly when you can move forward. And to have those common goals among, you know, especially if you're married, like it would be with your spouse. Um, If you've got a business partner, it would be with that business partner. Um, When you can link arms and commit to the direction you're headed, then it becomes really fun to know that paying attention to your numbers is usually a key component to being able to get there. Um, and so while I can't say that I love bookkeeping, um, I'm good at it mm-hmm. and it does give me that sense of just being able to know and track where we're at. Um, Cause when you pay attention, then you know when you need to course correct or you can celebrate successes along the way rather than look at yourselves at the end of the year and go well was it a good year or not right. uh, you know you'll you'll know if you're paying attention
0: yeah so did you study finances did you take courses or was it something you learned like i learned photography on the way i didn't go to photography school but with myself and many of my colleagues we learned a lot through ppa and so forth so do you have formal training or?
1: Not or? at all. Okay. <laughs> not at all. I, In the end, finances is really common sense. It's gotta be that more money comes in than goes out Oh, and to pay attention.
0: And <laughs> honestly, like simple,
1: <laughs> simple math skills, like you don't really need much beyond a second or third grade level of math abilities, honestly, to do the majority of what's necessary, if not all of it. I mean, I, I, I do very, very simple calculations and that's what all of us need are some very simple calculations. And these days there's apps and there's of course all sorts of easy tools to make sure that you, know, you kind of take uh, any uh, error out of what you're doing uh, by having, whether it's a simple calculator or there's budgeting apps that do a lot of the calculations for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I love being able to teach out of the place that I don't have formal training because I want people to understand that you can do this. And it matters that you do it, uh, but it does often need a person to realize the motivation behind it. And that's why Mm -hmm. I love bringing in the creative piece when I talk to people about budgeting so that you start to understand this isn't getting bogged down in numbers and things that you don't like. This is actually how you make your values come to life because we support our values, again, with where we spend. And we support our businesses with what we safeguard. And so those are very important pieces of what our finances need to do. And so once we start to understand the core motivations and why it's important and how we even love our families better by having our finances in solid and stable places, we start to see the value of paying attention and to doing the work that it does take.
0: Mm. You've um, already brought up like, 10 things that I was like I want to ask her more about this I want to ask her more about that <laughs> So um, I imagine you'll talk about the creative piece of budgeting
1: when we get into
0: a little more meat of your teaching
1: Absolutely or and we can launch I, into it now <laughs> well, <laughs> you and I also tell me, Lucy
0: okay and I also heard you say what what I love that I've never seen anybody just spell this out is save, spend, give, mm-hmm. and I think people, you know, you get those posters or those little boards that say live, laugh, love, and I have a feeling we'd all be a little happier if we had posters that said save, spend, give,
1: <laughs> so, mm-hmm. or it tattoos. Certainly, it certainly breaks it down to basics, yeah, and that's where I think too many people, it's felt so overwhelming that it became this much bigger task than it actually is. Right. All it Uh actually is, is three categories of figuring out where the dollars go Mm -hmm. and knowing what those categories within give, save, and spend need to be so that you pay attention to which of those specific categories uh, needs attention and which ones are fully funded and just waiting for the time that they might be needed.
0: Right. I love that both of us, had dads and moms that gave us allowances and supported us learning how to not just spend it every week. Did you get weekly allowance?
1: I did. Yes. Yeah. Not
0: mm-hmm. just spend it all, but put something away. And uh, I had a friend in uh, my college years who we worked at the same job, we made the same money. Her dad was a very high paid doctor and she was always broke. And I was always the one that could go out for pizza or a movie or something. And her credit cards were, you know, up to the sky. And I really attribute my parents giving me an allowance. I don't know about you, but it was, it wasn't something I had to earn. I could make extra money as a kid by doing extra chores But it was a, it was about that practice of, of good stewardship and that, that freedom of, of having some money at my own discretion without having to, you know, do somersaults to try to get what I want. So, yeah. And now my brother learned the same thing, but it didn't work for him. So,
1: (laughs) (laughs) well, I think what that college story though illustrates is a very profound reality that financial health is less about the amount and more about the intentionality with what you do with it. Mm -hmm. And again, that sense of stewardship, how am I going to steward my dollars? Um, And what's fascinating about the everyday millionaire study that was done not too long ago is what they found is the top people to be kind of that everyday millionaire. uh, They found that teachers I think rank in like the top three, And we Mm. never in society think, you know, of teachers as being wealthy. But again, what they were evidencing is it wasn't doctors that made the top of the list or even lawyers. It was some of your just very foundational, but, but more average in terms of what we assume, you know, salaries look like um, that topped the list. And that further reveals that it's really not the amount. It is how you care for the amount that you have right. as to how much you can use that toward wealth or to be without.
0: I need to look at that study. That's fascinating. And it just has me thinking about my dad, who people that have listened regularly know he was a pastor. And they are not usually paid very well in the denomination that I grew up in. But my dad was very good about money. And so he left my mom in a position when he went on, you know, to his great reward Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a really good financial position. So that at 96, we have all of her needs met and we will be inheriting something unless, you know, something happens where she's got a, a long sustained illness but i'm so grateful that my dad had the skill i think he could have been an accountant if he wasn't a minister he he liked he that he clearly
1: I, stewarded well
0: yes he did and he made some investments but overall he was wise about that so that's fascinating that teachers and people that you might not think of as millionaires are in the top 3 So the other thing that caught my attention in what you were sharing was the statement about the creative piece of budgeting. What do you mean by that?
1: So, what I mean is that the kind of the place where budgeting should start, whether it's in your business or with your own you know, family or household. And I, I tend to talk those almost interchangeably because I feel like photography certainly has become um, very weighted into sole proprietors and, you know, either a photographer doing all the hats or just has maybe themselves and one other person, um, or they're just outsourcing with different labs. And so I feel like there's so much over, uh, just overlap between business and personal, but it always needs to start with what the needs and what the dreams are in either of those places. And so for example, in your business, your general operating expenses are of course needs. You're going to have cost of sales. Those are needs, but beyond those two, you've always have dreams you have refinements that you know that you're going to need and usually that's going to be an equipment it's going to be an education um it's often going to be in what's the next dream for my business you know mm-hmm. you could have that place where you are doing what we did which was to grow debt free well we started out with using the lower level of a home i mean technically we started out working out of an apartment and going to our clients for everything but mm-hmm. The next step was that we had a little bit of a more established feel, certainly um, by using the lower level of our home. Uh, but within all that time that we were in the home, like our big dream was that we were going to search for a place that would have acreage to the point that we could still work from home because we fell in love with working from home, and um, but that would also afford us a dedicated building um, on our property that would just separate home and business, and yet we would still work from home and. You know, so again, we were getting to be creative with our dollars because we had a dream that nobody else had. That was, that Mm. was our specific dream. And each of you listening have your specific dreams. Now that could be that you want to put your kids through college using your photography business earnings. Awesome. That's where you are getting creative. Everybody needs to eat. Everybody needs to keep the lights on, but not everybody wants to buy a boat or have a cabin in the mountains, or do a ski trip every year, or go and buy a beachfront property, okay? When you start to do your dreaming, that's where you're getting creative because now you're looking at where am I going to prioritize my dollars, and where will I actually get excited when I stock the money away because I'm fueling a dream, and that's where it starts to have hopefully a little bit of maybe some newfound excitement as you're listening To like, oh, well, I could see how the numbers could be fun if I'm working toward that thing that is gonna be that really cool thing that I get to fund through my profits with my photography business. And then you get to decide, you know, how much do we want to go out to eat? It's Mm -hmm. creative in that somebody's gonna say, boy, eating out is a really important reward for me, and I wanna do it three times a week. And another person's gonna say, boy, I want to keep my grocery budget really low. I'm not gonna eat out. And instead, boy, I know what my big motivator is. I'm taking my kids to Disney World. Mm -hmm. And so I'm gonna trade eating out in favor of this other thing. Um, And that's why I talk about creativity coming alongside revealing then what your yeses are with your finances, because then that empowers the no moments when you had something that was a spur of the moment. If you know what your yeses are, it's easier to say no to the things that would go against or circumvent being able to have your yeses happen when you want them to happen.
0: I love that. It has me think about how, if we're only saving to survive and maybe save for retirement, how life to me would seem pretty darn flat. And also how would I be motivated to work harder? If there wasn't something in it for me, you know, once, I mean, yes, I need to work hard enough to get my basic needs met as a human, but I would not be pushing myself and learning new things and investing in education and equipment and all of those things. If there weren't parts of life that were bringing me joy. And so I love that you illustrated that and that you mentioned skiing, because for about 20 years, That was just the thing that I, I just like, I needed money for food. I needed money to go to conventions and so forth is I needed to have money to go on ski trips in order to feel like I was living the life I wanted. So you kind of, you kind of tapped on, on a sweet spot that sadly I had a few little injuries and it set me back and I, I'm, I'm not, not doing that anymore, but um, so I know this is, you have seven steps that you like to share about for financial stability and that number one is the budget. Was there anything more on that or do you want to go on to the rest of your uh, quick steps?
1: Well, I did just love, Lucy, that you helped pull out such a key piece. I mean, when I talk about the budgeting, and when I certainly will talk a little bit more here soon about the uh, just commitment that we have to be debt free and how we live, Um, all of that can have the risk of coming across as a very baseline, mediocre, no fun living, and it's actually the opposite. You have more fun when you go on vacations that you don't come home to pay for for the next 12 months. You have more fun being able to go shopping when the funds are there and you're not wondering if you'll be able to pay for it later You have more freedom and trust if you're married with your spouse, because now you've each committed to something that you don't need to worry about what the other is going to spend. You're both committed to the same goals and dreams, and you're working together in that. Um, And so I do want to point out that within being debt-free and within budgeting, the point is that you give yourself the maximum ability to enjoy the work that you've done and to reward yourself while also having, of course, taken care of all of the needs that you need to do.
0: Mm-hmm. You and I are in total agreement on that. I mean, <laughs> who, who wouldn't be? And I have friends who earn a lot more than I do that always feel like they're on the edge of broke. And I have a feeling it's because they're not doing what you say They 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 spend without a plan you know just on mm-hmm. whatever and and perhaps they don't have uh that big goal so that they don't they don't say no to each other or themselves about you know the what whatever it would be you know a rolex watch or mm-hmm. something so uh, you know i like to Live in that peace of mind that I I have enough for everything I need, and that that play money as well. So I love that. Okay. So do we want to? So that was step one. Yes. So do we want to go into the other? Sure. seven? Okay. So what's number two?
1: Number two relates to what the budget's going to help you do, which is to spend less than you make and for sure have built a three to six month emergency fund. You know, If you don't have a budget and a plan for your money, it's nearly impossible to end up spending less than you make because the reality is that money has movement. And if we don't tell it where to go and places where it needs to stop and pool up for us, it just leaves. Um, Mm -hmm. I think we we all know people or we've all had the experience of like getting to the end of the month and being like, where did all the money go? Mm So if you don't make a plan, um, it will be impossible usually to spend less than you make, unless you truly are just very savor oriented and frugal. Um, though I have to call out, you know, creatives of not normally being very, uh, yeah. <laughs> very described in that way.
0: Yeah. That's why um, everyone needs to listen to this about 10 times
1: <laughs> and then take uh, your the, class, the PPA. <laughs> there and... you go. <laughs> uh, but the other piece, you know, an emergency fund is just such a gift. To give yourself and your household for that unexpected. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I mean, we tend to at least somewhat think at least existentially, not everything's always going to go according to plan. I could, you know, face an illness that might uh, limit my ability to work as, um, you know, time goes, but sometimes it's, it's hard to keep that reality that emergencies and the unexpected will happen, enough of a priority to fund that emergency fund. And yet it is such a crucial piece to having that just sense of financial peace when the storms come. Uh, so I do, when I teach, I really you know strongly recommend that photographers build an emergency fund strictly within their business Um, So that's what you could have a pool of money sitting there so that if you went out and you dropped your camera and you literally weren't going to have a chance to, you know, be able to have insurance, replace that right away, you could walk into a big box store and use that emergency fund and buy the equipment you needed for the next session. Mm -hmm. If that happened, right. Um, If you had an illness or an injury and you needed to take um, some weeks off from work, you could still pay yourself because that would be an emergency and you have a fund for it. Mm -hmm. I also want families, of course, and households to have an emergency fund as well. And then the amazing thing is that if you are a photographer, like we are where photography is your sole source of income, when you merge a six month emergency fund in the business and a six month emergency fund with your family, you've really given yourself the ability to have a 12 month disruption and not have it cause, everything in your life to go sideways
0: right which gee I think maybe we've been experiencing something like that yeah there might
1: have been something
0: might have been (laughs) um I'm sure that I'm not sure if you're going to get into this uh directly but I'm also a big uh credit builder fan and uh that started again with my dad learning how to you know it's not wise to never have anything you charge it's wise not to carry debt but to build your credit so that when you go to buy a house or a car or get a credit card that might have extra points or something that they see you as a really safe financial risk and for example when this covid hit i you know, didn't know what was going to happen. And so I got a zero interest credit card just in case. And, you know, some people wouldn't qualify that. So in all of this mix is, is the importance of, of good credit ratings, (laughs) right?
1: Well, there's kind of a couple of schools of thought, um, and we are um, my husband and I huge Dave Ramsey fans, mm-hmm. and we actually um, have been in that place of a zero credit score, um, and are not ones that look at uh, credit as a tool. And so, you do have one school of thought that says, "Hey, I wanna I wanna make sure that I have a, a great credit score for the what if." And we fall in terms of just getting into that place of being self-sustaining and not looking at credit as a bailout. So I would say, you know, there are some different schools and um, you kind of need to decide for yourself where you want to land.
0: Right. So, so I'm not suggesting credit as a bailout. I'm suggesting credit as a way to get it like years ago when I bought a car where it was zero interest and they said, well, you have to have really good credit for that. I'm like, don't worry about it. And you know, that when you're buying a house, when you're doing anything, um, having even anyway, so having not using it, but having it for lots of reasons, but I, I value what you're saying too. Um, is it, right. that, that not being like, I, I pay off my credit card. If I use it, I pay it off every month. I do not ever pay interest, but um anyway, so something to look into different schools of thought.
1: It is. Said, and, and I would say, you know, just for anybody who, you know, is seeking to be truly debt-free, which typically would mean, You know, no debt other than um, a 15 year fixed rate mortgage, for example, on a house. Um, You know, you look at doing all other purchases as saving up for them. So, for example, for us, again, we don't necessarily worry about what our credit score is doing because when you're buying a house, you do have alternative ways that you can seek to receive a mortgage looking at other forms um, of just financial health. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say when we bought the house that we're in now, it was a little harder than it was kind of presented to be initially for us. And so I'd say if you find yourself in that position, do look at local lenders within your community because they tend to be able to leave the system. I mean, we definitely have a world that is very based on fico scores but that is also a debt score in the reality and right. so you know when we buy a car we pay cash for it yes when we do any of our vacationing we pay cash for it yes. and so we don't really worry too much what our credit score is because we don't plan to need that score to do something for us got it whereas if you are in that place i mean you're kind of in a place of deciding do I want this? Do I not? You need to either have a zero credit score or you need to have a really great credit score. Mm. What you don't want is to end up landing in the middle because you have made a little bit of a mess. You want to clean up messes. So if you've decided that having good credit is important to you, then yes, you are going to keep some revolving um, accounts somewhat active, showing some activity. Um, If you are kind of like, boy, that's a system that I've realized is really not on my side. I don't need anything to do with it. Then you start cultivating decisions that end up getting you a zero credit score. But usually by the time that that's happening, it doesn't really matter at that point. Like you're gonna have a paid for house. You're gonna have paid for cars. Mm -hmm. You're gonna be setting up a nice retirement fund. You know what from the budget and from your dreaming and planning where you're putting your money and stockpiling it up so that you're ready to pay cash for the next big thing. And it ceases to be an issue, whether or not you have a credit score. So that's kind of just another, another perspective to throw out there. Sure. um, Within the mix.
0: And I hope we didn't uh, for listeners get too far down a bunny trail on that because uh, these really rich concrete steps that Lindsay has, I want to make sure you get those solidly in your mind. So there's the budget, there's spending less than you make and having an emergency fund. And then what's number three?
1: It's all the debt free kind of principles that we've really touched on. Oh, okay. Um, so know, I just getting, jumped the gun in again. Yeah. Good way. Getting getting out <laughs> of debt uh, is is huge because debt, uh, when I when I teach, I want people to hear that debt really can be very seductive in some ways within the marketing campaigns of the credit card industries. We can get wooed by, oh, building points and forget how much we've really profited that industry um, in order to have very little reward, but we can be enticed. And uh, there are people out there who will teach that debt builds wealth. And yet none of the data Of wealthy people support that.
0: Interesting. Um,
1: And so I love to teach cultivating debt-free practices. We have lived uh, without debt other than our home debt uh, for more than 15 years now. Mm -hmm. And I can certainly attest to the power that being debt-free has had because we haven't had risk that we've introduced into our world. We've become very um, sustainable as a business, as well as a household. Uh, We have not been without uh, significant trials uh, within that time. And what we found is our solid financial practices and not having debt gave us a lot of peace within the turmoil Mm -hmm. and a lot of almost gifts to ourselves of just even getting to choose where our time went, getting to choose when to work Mm -hmm. uh, were gifts that came out of being debt-free because we didn't add the pressure and the burden of all of these pieces of the income we had going to pay other people, right? It's always fueling ourselves, right? And I'm Um, a
0: 1000% on board with that. I've lived most of my life, adult free, adult free, (laughs) debt free, uh, except for my house. Um, uh, Yeah, so. So let's go on because I want to get these good nuggets in here while we are within kind of a time frame for people. So uh, number four is?
1: Uh, That's about retirement savings. And a great goal is to have 15% of your uh, gross compensation going toward retirement. And if you have the opportunity, either because within photography, you also have another job that maybe there's an employee match Um, or your spouse has a company match. Those are best because essentially that company is saying, we're going to give you additional funds toward retirement. If you'll put in, you know, the matching amount, you always want to maximize company matches when you have those, but a lot of us don't have those available. And so your next best is to do Roth IRAs. And then after that traditional IRAs, depending on your income bracket, will determine whether or not you are limited doing the Roth IRAs. And if so, then you do wanna do traditional. Um, But the majority of us will not be limited to do Roth IRAs. And the main difference is a traditional IRA is going to have you have the advantage with taxes now to not pay taxes on the money you've put into retirement. But when you start to pull it out, you'll be taxed on all of the growth. The beauty of the Roth is that you pay your taxes on the amounts as you put them in each year, but your growth is tax-free. And if you know anything about the power of compounding interest, you'll quickly understand while never having to pay taxes on the growth is highly advantageous.
0: I wish they'd had Roth IRAs when I first got into the game. Uh, Yes. So thank you. And so does PPA have people that can help us understand more about this, about IRAs and things, uh, you know, retirement savings, things like that?
1: I would suggest that, you know, an easier place to probably start is looking for financial planners hmm. um, within whatever your community is. I will say, you know, Dave Ramsey's website, uh, and I, forget if he's changed it now because he's, it's now Ramsey um, instead of specifically linked to his name because they've expanded to a number of people. Um, But if you go to his website, he has what he calls endorsed local providers. And you can search by zip code Hmm. and look for financial planners. You'll want to interview at least two to three. And you want to look for people when you interview that have a heart of a teacher that show a willingness to help you understand, but to also um, help you feel like they are an expert that you can, you know, trust what they're doing. Um, somebody who doesn't just feel like they've got a plan that they're going to force you into, but that really listens for what your goals are and will help you get there. Um, so, financial planners are wonderful people, well worth, you know, the investment of, you know, what you do pay them for their services. Um, But that's a really good place where you may not want to become your own expert
0: Mm -hmm. and be
1: able to have help from, from a financial planner.
0: That's a great tip. Thank you, Lindsay. So what's next?
1: Next is that you do need to be priced for profitability because the sustainability that you need in your business and appropriate compensation can only be achieved when you do have enough of that net profit. Uh, So, you know, photographers who are still trying to figure out pricing do know that PPA has wonderful resources for their members. Um, You can search and read the benchmark uh, studies that have been done that give you kind of your targets for different percentages for where your costs and where your compensation should be percentage-wise. And then they also have the Square One tool. Both of those are great, uh, but in general you wanna make sure that your cost of sales, which you do need to know is way more than just what your lab charges you for what the client has purchased. There's a lot that goes into that. So make sure that if if this is sounding new to you, start digging in, Uh, but you want your cost of sales to be at most 25% of your gross revenue. And then you wanna keep those general operating expenses as low as you can, typically depending on whether you're home-based or retail-based, that's gonna fall between 30 to 40%. And that should then leave the rest for both owner's compensation, as well as uh, what you often will hear called retained earnings. But that's kind of the sustainability or your business savings piece. Mm -hmm. So you need enough profitability um, based on your pricing or none of what we're talking about is going to happen because you won't be giving yourself the traction that you need. And Mm -hmm. so that pricing does matter. You need to be priced professionally when you're doing this professionally. And then it's your job to have confidence to charge what you are worth and what you need and to understand all these pieces so that you do continue to gain more confidence if that's a place of weakness for you. You know, you're, you really are providing something of high value when you do your job well, and we're all creating as photographers pieces that are going to last beyond our lifetimes. And there's something very valuable to that.
0: So often with my one-on-one coaching clients, well, and also a group, people have insecurities about pricing. And I think, Some of that comes into feelings of, are we worth it? Or will people say no if we're too quote unquote expensive? Do you have any tips for overcoming some of those, those mindsets, any like hacks for how to do it
1: anyway? There are some wonderful ways that I think newer photographers and the ones that are just needing that confidence can start to bolster the confidence to charge what they need to charge. I think one is just do an exercise and write down how much time you actually spend for every single piece of the client experience that closes out one client's job. Begin Mm. with how much time you're spending in the initial emails and communication and the phone calls and the preparation. Think about the travel, if you're going offsite, to do their session, think about the session, think about your calling, think about your editing, thinking about your process for how you prepare those images and the time that you will spend to guide them toward their finished prints and products. And then the time spent to fulfill those prints and products to package, just look at your time because that typically is very eye-opening to realize that a hundred dollar session fee for a one hour session is actually anywhere for most photographers, typically anywhere from actually representing seven to anywhere from 15 to 25 hours of work. Right. Now, when you divide <laughs> your session fee by that many hours, you better make sure that you're not working for minimum wage. Right. That practice alone, seeing how much time you've really invested into every single session that books you, that helps you to start to see the value of your time. And then on the other side of things, I think every business needs to make a choice. Am I competing for the bottom of the barrel on price? Mm. Or am I going to offer not a commodity, but art? And Mm. that is a completely different client. And that does mean that you are not the right fit for every client, but you need to choose where you want to swim and be okay that not everybody's going to swim where you are. But for the people who come to you, do an amazing job, do it well, feel proud of what you do and realize that when you do that, those people who chose you, you were who they chose and they're going to find value in what you provided for them. Mm -hmm. So you have to make a choice. If you're going to compete on price, that's a very different looking business, but you have to remember too, that if you're competing on price, there will always be somebody who's willing to do it for less.
0: Right. So do
1: you want the client who just wants the cheapest or do you want to start working with clients who see what you do and want that for their family?
0: Right. And I also think that doing the work of separating our product from ourselves, that I'm not my photographs. And so my worth as a human being does not rely on whether they want to purchase it or not. It's not like I've gone to to elementary school and painted a painting and take it home and show my mom and want her to say, that's wonderful. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, this is a product. And I think as artists sometimes it's pretty challenging because that fear of rejection can come from a, a deep place in us that, I think gives us an opportunity to grow past that. If it shows up over and over again, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that fear of, or that need for a kind of approval and also that we're serving them. So to be using our clients and I don't mean this in a, like, I don't want, like, don't underline and bold this (laughs) thought, but if we are, primarily wanting approval from our clients, then we're not focused on them and service. We're focused on, on us. So one of my tips is to take our, take our eyes from inside and focus outside on how we can serve and how we can save our time for the people who will really value what we do and are impacted by, by the relationship that they have with us. So, yeah, but I love that. Thank you, Lindsay. That's um, really, really a good, clear couple of hacks on that. So we have a couple more. So number six
1: is all about communication. So you've got to communicate, whether it's spouses, whether it's business partners, so that everyone's committed to that same plan. Um, So communication really can be um, helped and grow through the process of talking through plans for your finances with those people that need to be the need to know. um, And in that realm of, you know, everybody's got to commit to the plan. Um, and part of what I think, you know, can help too, is, is just making sure that, you know, there's typically always going to be one of the people that is more inclined to put the numbers together, more inclined to, you know, do the tracking. That's going to be more of their strength. It doesn't mean that somebody who is not inclined needs to be as in the nitty gritty as the one who is, but it does mean that you want to foster great communication across people and that if one person puts it together, the other gets to look over the plan, ask about tweaks or make suggestions. And in the end, you've both contributed or you've at least both been able to say, yep, this is what we wanna do and you put it into play. Uh, So communication is always key. You don't want just one person as an island doing something that the other person doesn't know about.
0: Right. And sometimes I see in relationships, which relationships are challenging, but there'll be a spender and a saver and it can get into like an adult child kind of dynamic. And so I love what you're saying is communicating and being on the same team and planning it together avoids that, you know, what, what can sometimes be like the easy positioning is just letting the person who is better with money be in charge of it, then you know, that doesn't feel as powerful as what you're sharing about the communication and everybody being on the same page.
1: And you can work into the budget, you know, something that we have in our budgets is what we call fun money. And we each, Mm -hmm. John and I have fun money. And we get to for those dollars, we get to spend those without checking with the other person. And when you give a spot for some freedom, that helps the spenders to have an ability to spend without checking with their spouse or their business partner for this amount of dollars. And it usually helps to curtail the amount of effort it might take to adhere to the budget in other places. You know, If you give yourselves some freedom in one place, it helps stick to the plan for all of the other pieces.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And Sounds uh, like a conflict reduction device.
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Okay, and you have one more. So let's hear it.
1: And I did touch on this in the beginning, but it is a really great way to almost kind of wrap everything back around. The more that you can clearly know what your yeses are to the purchases and to where the money goes the more you can empower saying no to things that otherwise would get you off track. And so again, take time if you've never done it to sit down either with yourself, if it's just you in the business or with whomever you and do the same for your household and write down what are my values and which of these relate to where I spend my money. And let's make sure that, There's a match and that it fits together how we're spending our money with how we intended to spend our money. Mm. And let's know what our yeses are, because then we know why we're going to say no to other things.
0: Thank you for all of that. I have one more little piece because at the start you had save, spend, give, and you haven't touched on the give part. And I'd love to know um, your thoughts on that and why it's important to give.
1: Yeah, I would love uh, to touch on that. So giving is, you know, you'll have some of us are going to be um, faith based in some of our giving and others may not have a faith basis. I think regardless of where you decide to have the motivations come from and the, you know, landing place for giving, I am a very big supporter of giving as the first piece that you assign within the budget because I think that sets the tone of gratitude as you then allocate all the rest of the funds. When you think of others first or when you put your faith first in where your dollars go, I think a tone of gratitude is the best place from which to steward all the rest of the dollars. Mm -hmm. And so it's never about the amount really, it's about a heart position and it's about a gratitude position.
0: Hmm. Oh, I love that. And um, it's funny because the times that I've been very intentional about a certain percentage going to a place that feeds my soul, uh, you know, does good work in the earth, that does good work on the earth. I actually had more income just rolling in my way when I made a deposit and I took a percentage and I put it into an account that I was routinely putting somewhere. Right now I'm a little more random in it. So um, you've given me something to um, really think over again. And something, so I loved when you were talking about pricing for profit, that in a nutshell, it's about, we keep about a third when we're priced for profit and we're we're having a good flow of business. We keep about a third of every dollar that we bring in, right? That's kind of the, when you were saying the percentages for um,
1: goods. If you look at home-based versus retail-based, um, you should actually be able to, as home-based, potentially be keeping, um, 55% of your dollars, um, for your net profit, 45% would be for a retail based. Is this before taxes
0: before or after tax? Like
1: for uh, the percentage is based on your gross revenue.
0: Right. So So when I say that
1: comes in, right. Mm -hmm. So when I
0: say keep, I'm, Thinking after taxes. Oh,
1: after taxes, money it, in our pocket. It could, I, you know, I I pay less attention to those percentages, I guess, um, when it when it gets down to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I mean, you want to you want to certainly understand that every dollar that comes in, only a portion is going to get to be left over um, to then do the things that need to help fund your family and household and things like that, and. Right. You do want to understand, and I think it's you know for some photographers you might get so excited for giving, and you want to you might want to make that something that you make sure that your client base understands. You know mm-hmm. this is near and dear to my heart, and a portion of every sale goes toward this you know ministry or this organization. Uh, you can certainly do that. Um, you know I think it's important to realize that you know that profitability is not to be miserly um, or greedy it is because you've traded time with the people you love to serve your clients. Mm -hmm. And so there should be a meaningful trade from that time. And then you also are certainly doing some good with it when you have Mm -hmm. giving as a part of what you're doing. And so there's there's good motivations and there is um, ways that you can really make sure that, your values are communicated through how you spend and how you give.
0: Right. And so what I wanted to offer as a formula with kind of establishing that, that uh, about a third, you know, it's just rough justice, is when I was doing that intentional program, the 10% is what is in, you know, going back to way like, I don't know how far back in the Bible, but the word tithe means 10 and, but 10% of our gross is a big chunk of our gross. So I calculated that 10% is a third of every dollar I bring in. So if I bring in a dollar, then I would set aside three cents for tithing because it's 10% of my income. Does that make sense?
1: I I think that what you're touching on more than anything is you can each person can come up with how they want to kind of approach that. Right. And if it is choosing a percentage, that's going to work great for some people. If it is um, a just flat amount each month, that might work better for somebody else. Right. Um, Either way, I think it's important to decide you know, what, what would I feel great about being able to do? What right. problem in the world that, you know, touches my heart, would I love to make a difference? In? Right. And, and then what does that need to look like? And do I love thinking of it as I, I want to make this easy? I want to say it's, it's X percentage. And so at the end of, you know, the month, I'm going to say, perfect, this is my amount. And I, I take care of that first or okay, here's my, you know, X amount that I've decided will be every month. And I I shift that to where it needs to go. Right. Um, I think, yes, if you need to think of a number, you can, and and otherwise you can come up with a system.
0: Right. As, as self-employed, if our income varies, you know, some months are, can be great. And some months can be a little quiet depending. (laughs) So that's the way that I figured out how to feel like, Uh, it was steady based on what was coming in, but I based it on my approximate income, not the actual dollars coming in, but that 30% of that. Yes.
1: Percentages of course are more able to adapt to seasonal earnings. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I have two questions for you uh, before we close, and this has been so great. And we, haven't had this nitty gritty of a conversation about money on my show yet, and I'm approaching hundred episodes, so it's about time <laughs> <laughs> should have had you episode 10. <laughs> um, so question number one is if people want to get in touch with you, learn more about, about what you do, um, how do they do that?
1: Absolutely, so email is always great and that's lindsay at jonathanbetts.com. You are always welcome to call our studio number and that's 719-291-9798. We can make those available, I'm sure, uh, to anyone who needs those. And then you can also find um, some of my education on PPA's website in the Mm. EDU section. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so you can search by speaker. And so if you put my name in the search, uh, you can find uh, for sure, I think it's already up, uh, the 2021 IUSA platform presentation that I gave. And there might be some older ones too, though I will say, Probably if you just did the one that's most recent, that would be a great place to start. And I do touch on pretty much everything that we've touched on today, uh, with just, you know, a little bit of a different, you know, probably framework or maybe some different phrases that might help something to stick a little bit better or differently just by hearing it a second time in some slightly different ways.
0: Yeah, I I can't ever listen to a speaker I like too many times because I always I'm different every time and I always hear different things every time. So, um, yes. (laughs) All right. The second question or yeah. Second question is, is there either something that you haven't shared or is there something you want to leave us with? Like your last word for people to take away.
1: What I would want everybody to hear is that you are more than capable of doing this for yourself and for your business and for your household, and that there is a lot of heart and a lot of ways that you love yourself and you love your loved ones well when you have a solid financial picture that you get to live by. Mm. And so, I would love for everybody to hear that this is something that you can do and that it really does matter. And so, my hope is that you've heard some motivations for why it's important to make this an intentional piece of mm. the rhythm of your business.
0: Thank you so much for that. So before I send Lindsay off with a fond adieu, uh, be sure to stay tuned for my wrap up and Lindsay, this has been great. I really, really appreciate you taking time this evening to go through those step-by-step tips and i um, looking forward to PPA in person so we can meet eye to eye and give each other a hug. If, if you're up for that, I'm always up for hugs.
1: Me too. Yeah.
0: So thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Lucy. It's been great. Thanks for having me.
0: You're welcome. Wow. I really, really enjoyed that conversation and I'm sure that you got a lot out of it and have a lot to think about. (laughs) So Just a reminder that I have an online course called the profitable photographer sales course, and it is 12 recordings of my step-by-step program that will help you have confidence in what you say on the phone, how you conduct a consultation what you do in the sales room, how to handle objections, and my overall umbrella of what I call becoming the trusted advisor to help you be super comfortable selling and in a way that doesn't feel pushy or salesy, but that is really there with the heart of service. And so if you want more information on that, I do have a special running shortly. And so you can email me Lucy at LucyDumas.com or you can uh, find me on Facebook and also be sure to join my private group, the Profitable Photographer and like the page, the Profitable Photographer page with Lucy Dumas. So here's the quick summary. She talked about the importance of setting firm goals and having the fun of watching your money grow so that you know you're reaching those goals and her seven steps i'm just going to do a quick summary on that is one is budgeting and how so making that plan for our money so that we know how we're spending and saving for our purposes dreams and values And then number two was the importance of building a three to six month emergency fund. And the core of how you do that is um, that we spend less than we make. Number three is to know that debt does not build our wealth. And so learning to have debt-free practices, we talked a little, you know, we had some different thoughts about having credit, building credit, but we're in agreement that that doesn't mean having debt. Number four was saving for retirement. Five is being priced for profitability, because if there's no money left at the end of our cost of running our business, then we're, we're broke. It's not good. Don't do it. (laughs) Six was the importance in relationships with spouses, partners, kids. I'm sure she'd agree with that, that We communicate well, so everyone's on the same team, working towards the same plan. And then knowing what our yeses are so that we know what to say no to. And we also talked a little about the importance of sharing. So she said, save, spend, give. Those are the three principles and how you build a foundation of gratitude when you are supporting places that you value. So thanks again for listening. And let me know if there's someone you'd like to have me interview or anything else. Just um, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. (laughs) And here's my big hug coming out to you now and hug. (laughs) Okay. Bye for now.